0: Well, our opening uh, prayer today, our opening Psalm, uh, is Psalm one twenty six. I'm still chewing on these pilgrim psalms and uh, um, these psalms of ascent. Um, and uh, this one, in, it, th- this one in particular, might have a word in it that you might need to think about before we get to it. And in verse four, it's the word negeb, um, or you may have heard it negev. Uh, those the B and the V are the same. Um, a consonant family. Um, in fact, the uh, the difference between the B sound and the V sound in Hebrew is whether or not the letter has a dot in the middle of it. You know, it's, it's, it's that subtle. Um, so, um, but the Negev is a, a part of uh, Israel, uh, that greater area there, and uh, it's desert. It's a desert region. and uh, And so, talking about streams in the Negev, There's this contrast that's happening there, and it's life coming to a dead place. Is kind of the image that's being provided there.
1: Wasn't wasn't there for a long time a fundraiser on trees for the negative?
0: If there was, I'm not familiar with it. I'm
1: thinking decades back.
0: Well, I'm only you know decades old. (laughs) That's true. And and so are you, you. to be fair. (laughs) You haven't hit the century mark yet. No, I haven't. Um
1: they stick in
0: my head. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Um, there is somebody who is connected to our church. I think, I, did I tell you this? That I visited him after his 100th birthday? Hmm. Um, that's, you know, it's been a while since I've, I've visited. His name is Don, and uh, he and his wife live um, in that, um, it's not an assisted living, but it's like a senior living off of Hudson Road over there. And um, yeah. He is not in an assisted living. He's, you know, they're living on their own, and, and uh, 100 years old, and uh, she's 96. Neat, neat people. They uh, they actually moved here from Indiana because uh, they have a, a daughter that lives here, and uh, they're like, you you need more care and support, but uh, they're still able to uh, do everything on their own in terms of you know living. Um, they don't drive um, anymore. Um, so if they have to go someplace, she comes and gets them and, and that kind of a thing. But uh, 100 years old, that's a lot of decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The daughter
2: yeah. must be 70, 75, something
0: like that. It's the young probably. thing. Uh, she could be, yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: There was a lady in my church in Kansas. I visited her on her 100th birthday. Um, I asked her uh, what her what memory across the history of, you know, stuck out in her mind and she says, I saw President Roosevelt take the oath of office. I said, oh Franklin? No, Teddy. Oh. And I went, oh. oh. Yeah. And that was a few years ago, so, um, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, a hundred years is a long time. And there's a lot of experience, but her, her mom took her when she was a child and, and what actually brought that to mind was her daughter lived there and she was 80.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. 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 So uh, Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was, tongue with shouts of joy, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears, shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seeds for sorrow, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So um, last week, some of you weren't here, um, but I just want to kind of come back to some of what we talked about. And just ask the question, what what is hope? What, What do you remember what we talked about? (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: this is just like teaching compliments. It's,
2: it's not the same as a wish. It's
0: not? How, how is it different? Do you remember? I don't
2: remember that part, but I do remember we talked about it.
0: So a wish often just kind of flows from our heart and is something that, you know, we, we kind of generally desire, but a hope is also connected to a promise? Right? right? And so it's not just something that is, you know, it's something I kind of hope for, ah, it's easy. this is what's hard about it, right? You know, it's not something I just kind of generally desire that could be good or bad, right? Um, but uh, um, because sometimes we wish for things that are not good for us, but the hope that we're talking about, particularly here in Romans, is something that is is rooted in God's promises for us, right?
1: And, and hope has to do with a belief that it's, that it's actually going to happen. Yeah. A wish can be totally fanciful, just, well, oh, that would be neat, but yeah a, that's not
0: good. <laughs> Although the way that we English speakers use the word hope, sometimes we use it almost so the same as wish. No,
1: and it's both an, uh, you know, it's a noun and a verb, just like wish. Yes. So you know, not exactly the,
0: you know. Yeah. Yep. A
2: hope is eternal and a wish is temporal.
0: Yes. Yes, that's good. another good, because the hope is rooted in, in God's promises, which are eternal, and so the hope goes even beyond death, right? And so what does Romans teach us, uh, for what does Romans teach us to hope? Thinking specifically of all the stuff that we've been talking about here in Romans 8. Well, it should be
1: salvation.
0: It is, it is salvation, yeah. but it's not just salvation in the sense of sometimes we, you know, I'm saved. I go about my life, you know, and you know. Oh you know. no, I didn't mean. It no, me. I don't. I'm not saying that. You. I'm, I'm trying to be, get a little bit more specific. Though. Right. Right. What, what is, what is, eternal
1: salvation, not not so much in this life. You know,
0: right. Yeah. But what's the culmination of that? What is the moment that eternal yeah, salvation is? Um, what
3: you say? Know. I don't know. Hope
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the resurrection. The resurrection. Yes. Um, it's, it's the new creation. You know, a lot of times when we think about the Christian faith, we tend to think about my sins are forgiven, you know, and I die, I go to heaven. But that's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is God creates all things, there's a fall into sin, he brings redemption, and he recreates all things. We're not, you know, going to die and float on clouds. We are... <laughs> We're going to die, and we're going to be raised. And you know, and the images that that um, are used for this are, are mind blowing. Jesus talks about seed going into the ground. You know, if these bodies are like seeds, you know, what comes up is is much more glorious, as a, um, you know, a rose that grows from the seed, or an oak.
3: I was thinking of tomatoes.
0: Uh, actually, my first thought was maybe a dandelion but it anyhow. says
3: something about
0: us <laughs> all right so now we're getting into Romans 8 chapter 26 through 29 and I learned um, I learned something interesting about this passage just this morning um, I listened to a podcast that's called the Christian history almanac and on the weekends he does a, a longer form about a half an hour most days it's about six minutes but he, he's been digging into some biographies of people, and this weekend he talked about a guy by the name of Chuck, or usually went by Sparky, actually, and uh, his last name was Schultz, Charles Schultz, right? I've
3: heard of him. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and it talks about his life, and, uh, and this is Charles Schultz's favorite Bible passage. And this passage was read at his funeral, you know, as kind of the culmination of his life. And I think that that's interesting, um, and, and you know, maybe think about why that might be interesting to have this as your favorite Bible passage. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God and we know that for those who, work, who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose it is and especially that first part the spirit helps us in our weakness we don't know what to pray for
2: We don't know what to pray
0: for. We don't
4: know
0: what to hope for. Therefore, we ask God to guide us. And He guides us through the Spirit. Yeah, and even before we ask, the Spirit is asking for our behalf, or on our behalf. Um, I I think that this is a a beautifully humble passage. And it's one that... uh, um, it really shows reliance on, on God and, and the, the Spirit to do his work in us. So, um, verse 26, I translated this, and likewise the Spirit also helps with our weakness. Um, for what we should pray for, as is needful, we do not know. But the Spirit himself intercedes, or, or he pleads in wordless groaning. So every once in a while a word kind of jumps out at me when I'm studying these things, and uh, that first word, likewise. Like what? Yeah. This, this, is, this is one of the reasons it's important to read whole letters. Um, you know, we're teasing things apart and, and you know, looking at small pieces, but the pieces are part of a much bigger whole, mm-hmm. right? You know, and so like what? And for me, um, as I'm reading this, and I'm going back through Romans chapter 8, I think what he's talking about when he says, likewise, um, you know, the Spirit helps with our weakness. I think this is connected with the creation groaning in eager expectation. And by the way, notice that same word, um, that the Spirit groans, the creation groans. It's all about this work that God is doing to recreate
2: Childbirth his groans. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think this is all connected. You know the, the, you know the spirit is at work, bringing this life into us. You know, so the spirit is praying towards this recreation. He's praying, you know, toward redemption and and the resurrection of, of our bodies. I
3: think one of the important things is verse twenty-eight. That things work together for good. It doesn't say that it's going to look like and feel like good at the time.
0: Right, yeah.
3: And I think we need to emphasize that because people read that and think, then everything should be good in my life, and that's was that yeah. it
0: Yeah, anybody...
3: Sort of, it's sort of like when your parents give you a spanking and you say it's because I love you and it's for your good, and you say, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, you know, and this is one of my frustrations, and I, I mention it from time to time, you know, Christians who think that you know because I'm a Christian nothing bad is going to happen to me. Yes. It's like, have you ever read the Bible? You know, grab Job. What did Job do wrong?
2: Nothing. Nothing?
0: Nothing. nothing. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. Or, you know, read Jonah because Jonah did do something wrong. You know, oh, guess what, folks? Uh, the way to you know, calm the storm is throw me into the sea. You know, and I mean, over and over again, the lives of the Apostles, they lived to ripe old ages, right?
3: Oh
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. And Jesus himself. Jesus himself. I
1: think that that attitude is also a real recipe for not being a Christian for very long. Yeah. Which... get disappointed.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about the parable of the weeds. Yeah. Where you know the, the, the sower is sowing seeds, some of it falls on the road. Some of it falls among thistles, it says. Thorns and thistles. And and it says Jesus says the thorns and the thistles are the cares and, and the concerns of this world. Mm-hmm. It's the sufferings yeah. of this life. You know, if we don't understand that God's promises are, are beyond just what we experience in this life then boy, oh boy, are are we setting ourselves up for sincere disappointment and falling away from faith. This this is one of the, I think, struggles that I have with some of um, the way that uh, um, some churches handle youth ministry, where everything is about the excitement and the joy of the moment and the you can overcome and win the victory. And we do overcome and we do win the victory. But how did Jesus win the victory? died on the cross cross. yeah you know what they don't tell kids
2: everything in between
0: everything in between right and so then when they fail and when life gets hard sometimes they fall away from faith and it's because we haven't prepared them you know for these difficult things that are a real part of our life you know that, that is this walking in faith
4: because sometimes things are tough, and you you're out of words. You're just there's nothing left. You don't even know what to pray for. You know, yeah. you just uh. and to know that God, that the Spirit intercedes for us and can interpret our whatever, and that peace that can come yeah which is remarkable, even when the whole the whole world is falling apart.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: God knows what's going on the problem is he doesn't feel obligated to tell us
0: <laughs> because he's not yeah. <laughs> right um, so he, it, here Paul is talking about the spirit groaning in intercession because we do not know what to pray for which is most needful and that which is most needful is our salvation and, and it's present work in our lives And catch that God's salvation is at work in the present. It is at work right now, but it's not going to attain its fullness until the resurrection. Um, You know, in our our former church, um, uh, there was a, a lady there by the name of Andrea. She's involved with a big uh, ministry reaching out the gospel and Andrea got breast cancer Mm. and she was very very sick for a long time and and thankfully the treatments worked and she's been healthy as far as I know ever since but one of the things that she told me was that you know it was through that experience of suffering and illness um, she called it a blessing Mm. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: you know that you know she said i thought i believed in god before i i found out i didn't and now you know <laughs> i learned some really important lessons about faith and trust and god keeping his promises you know it, it's it's not when life is easy and everything is going well that we you know always are like yep my faith is good you know, it's It's the difficulties, it's the struggles of life that really mature us and teach us to to really, truly trust in God and and to hold on to his promises.
2: Well, and I find for myself too, when I'm going through things, that's when I'm on my knees more. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, when everything is going great, sure, I say the blessing for dinner and meals and things and do some, you know, but it's sort of da, 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 da. You know, but then when tragedy hits, hits or, you know, and stuff, I'm on my knees. And, and you know, I pray so much more earnestly and, and focus much more on what I'm saying and, and the answers back, too. So, yeah, these things bring us closer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If, if we don't go the other way. Right. That's the problem is some, some people go the other way.
0: Yep. and blame God instead yep. of leaning on God. Yep. So, because of our weakness, because we don't even know what to pray for, the Spirit helps us. That word helps, you can you can translate it literally, take up with. So it's kind of the image of a couple people carrying something rather than, than, than just the one. You know, so, carrying a load together, although... It could also be um, carrying for another. You know, um, and, and so I like this image of the Spirit coming alongside. He has already created faith in us. We are alive in Christ. And now he is giving us the strength and walking through the difficulties of our lives with us because we carry this, this weakness.
3: Okay, thank you. Now that
0: word weakness can also be translated sickness. It can be translated disease. Um, what is it? What is this weakness that we carry about in our bodies? Sin. Yeah, that's the that's the simple word for it, right? I mean, how much of Romans has he been talking about sin and the flesh, and you know, and the, this need for forgiveness? And I mean, this is. Really, the first eight chapters of the book, he's just constantly going back to this idea that the way that we become right with God you know, is through Jesus, and what Jesus has done is dealt with our sin by his death and his resurrection. So if we think about sin as weakness and as sickness and as disease, which, I mean, take it to the, the next level, leads to death, mm-hmm. How might that impact the way that we view the human condition? Destitute. Yeah, I thought
2: it's destitute.
3: I like all things work together for good, which means eventually. It doesn't mean everything's going to be good now. Right. And a lot of people read that and think all things are going to be good. Right. And It doesn't say that it's his work for. It's like, you know, you don't want your kid to get that disease. You take him to the doctor to get a shot, and the kid says, I thought you loved me, mother, why do you let him stick that knee with me? And God gives us shots. And we have to be more like what the kid is supposed to be and say, okay, it's for my good, and I trust you. That's what it also says for those who love the Lord. So the
0: world is in chaos for those who don't love the Lord. Right. So if somebody does something and you see it as an action that is malicious how do you feel about that
3: i want to slap them upside the head yeah
0: now sometimes frustrated
1: because if you you you, you may not be wanting to do violence or anything but it's just something that you can't do anything about
0: right because you're faced with this malicious malevolence right (laughs) yes what if we understood that the behavior was coming from a place of brokenness and sickness and and um, disease that's leading to death? You know, um, I, I've been with people as they're dying, and people who um, never said a bad word in their life, and they are raging, just raging. You know, and the family, you know, you know, they could be angry with the person because their behavior is really inappropriate. Although I'm not sure what is appropriate when you're dying. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, do you rebuke the person in that moment, or do you just kind of, boy, this is coming from someplace, and it's coming from a, the fact that they're dying and their bodies are falling apart, and. And I, and I want to be careful because I, I don't want to just excuse sin and be like, you know, we just have to always you know roll with it and deal with it because I think that there is a place where we I, I think that we should call sin sin and we should rebuke it. and and, and but I also think that the, we also have to be merciful and compassionate as we're dealing with people in their sin, because they are they are weak and they they don't know that. They're sick, and they don't know it, and they need that compassion that confronts and comforts.
2: And I think, too, you're talking about their body dying. Their mind is also dying. Yes. So that makes it weaker. It's not not working normally. So we do, I believe, yeah, we have to be compassionate to that.
0: Yeah, but not just in the moment of death, but when we're dealing with people out in the world, who are dead in their trespasses and sins because you know they, they don't have Jesus in their life, you know, and then we're like shocked and we're you know offended you know because of their behavior. Well, no, I think that we need to figure out this is the world, and yes, we have life and we have healing. They don't even know that they need healing. They don't know that they're dead in their trespasses and sins. How should we respond? And I think that a lot of times the church has run to anger and judgment and condemnation, and we have lacked compassion and patience. I also think that sometimes we uh, have gone to patience and kindness to the. because it's a matter of extremes here, right? But I think in our circles, we tend to lack the compassion on somebody who is dead in their sin and doesn't even know they need a savior does is that making sense mm-hmm. yeah so if we need the spirit we who already have the spirit at work in us uh you know we need the spirit to get your seat for us how much more and how much more should that lead us to be patient and loving and caring thank you for your patience ellen
4: my father was an usher in the
3: church and a stalwart worker, but when he had a stroke, he started swearing up a storm, and that was not like him. Yeah. So we He's have to have yeah. like, like compassion, forgiveness, understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I want to be careful that we don't get stuck on those physical maladies. You know, I'm trying to use it as a bridge to also talk about the spiritual state of humanity right. you know, and how do we deal with people.
1: There's a question, though, as to how, you know, when you're talking about organic changes to the brain, where does that, you know, it it can have a profound effect on your outward expressions of your spirituality or lack thereof. Sure. But it's not necessarily, well, I think our whole lives we don't really have control of, (laughs) but it, it becomes very obvious that way. Yeah. And, you know, when we quote Luther, we, we quote sort of early to middle Luther. Uh, Luther had some real doctrinal doozies, I think, as he got older. And I don't think, you know, I mean, it's hard to put on someone, you know, a, 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 a constraint to, to do things right when their brain is falling apart.
0: Sure. Um, you know, and, and I want to be clear, even though we're called Lutherans, we don't um, follow the teachings of Luther. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are yeah, there are some of it, his teachings yeah. that we, we follow. Yeah, right. Um, but when you look at like the, the Confessions, the Book of Concord, mm-hmm.
3: they're not all written by him. Oh no,
0: no, no. You know, and you know, and these were you know documents that people you know came together a- a- around. Um, so yeah, he had he had some pretty poor stuff early on. You know, he's got some good stuff early on the middle stuff tends to be pretty solid on the whole. And toward the end of his life, you know, there's some real garbage there. But there's some good nuggets in there too. You know, and that's oh, yeah. and that's boy, that's isn't that a picture of the human I was going to say, yes. state? Yeah. You know. Um so the the spirit meets us in this weakness that we have, you know, and and he intercedes for us with groans that go beyond uh, words or wordless groans is probably a, a, a more cl- exact uh, translation. But when he, he says that we don't even know what is needful in our prayers, what is needful in our prayers? Have you really ever thought about that?
3: Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief.
0: I like that one. That's one of my favorite prayers. I often use that before the Lord's Supper. I would like to go with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus teaching us how to pray, for sure. You
2: know, <clears throat> I'm thinking of a contrite heart. Yeah.
0: Okay. That, where, where did you get that phrase? It's from the Psalms.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you yeah. do that all the time, didn't you? I, 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 well, I use it. Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say confirmation class. but Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really have a favorite prayer, but I always sort of append to the end of it. But hey, you know what's best, so do it. Okay, if yeah. If I if I pray for the wrong thing, just <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, the, the Lord's prayer is a very good place to learn how to pray. Uh, I I think that this is something that often um, we we just stick with the uh, the the text that uh, uh, that we have in our hymnal. Um, because the text in the hymnal is not exactly the same as the text that's in the um, Matthew and in, in Luke. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, if you've ever read it uh, in in the uh, um, biblical text. Um, but it's it's a good melding of of the two, and gets the ideas, and uh, um, it's faithful, you know. But when when you were first introduced in the catechism, did you notice what what? Luther did with the Lord's Prayer how he split it into these different petitions. You remember this? Mm-hmm. What's a petition?
3: Request.
0: It's a request. So one petition can be a prayer, right? And when you read through the uh, the Small Catechism and his explanations, they are great opportunities for prayer. Um, in fact, in the, in the new member. Um, Devotion book, uh, so I, I'm, I'm doing a new member class right now uh, called Fit for Life in Christ, and um, all the, all the uh, participants are given a devotion book, and uh, part of that is you know reading through uh, certain parts of the New Testament, uh, some of it is reading through the Catechism, but there are prayers that are set aside, and each day there is um, just a petition from the Lord's Prayer, where I've taken that explanation and turned it into a prayer it is the catechism you know and I think that this is something that would be really good for us you know to pull that catechism out and you know to take time as we pray and think about what are we asking for when we say hallowed be thy name you know, and, I mean, kind of first level, hallowed means holy. kept holy, right? Mm-hmm. But isn't God's name holy in and of itself?
3: Yep, but not always when it comes out of our mouths.
0: Right, and so we pray in this petition that it would be kept, kept holy, holy by, by us, us, right? And, and that happens when God's word is taught in its purity and truth and when we lead holy lives according to it, Right. So, hallowed be thy name. God, your name is holy in and of itself. But we're asking, Lord, that you would help us to keep it holy among us, too. And so, Lord, help us to use your name in ways that are holy and the way that you want us to do that. And help us to live our lives according to your word and to proclaim your word in its truth and in its purity. And we know that there are people in this world who are not holding your word in its truth and its purity. And we pray that you would protect us from such people and such teaching and that we would not dishonor your name by the way that we live. Pretty, just, that, that's all language from the catechism. And in fact, this is the way Luther talks about um, how to pray the Lord's Prayer in a simple way to pray? Simple way to pray, it's 40 pages long. (laughs) But to be fair, most of it is prayers. You know, he he basically goes through and he writes out uh, examples of all the things that he's talking about here. But when we think about how we pray, um, I was once confronted um, by a guy who said uh, that we spend more time praying to keep people out of heaven than we do praying to get people out of hell. Mm. So think about our Sunday prayers. What do we ask for?
2: Healing so they continue living.
0: Yeah. But when a Christian dies, what do they get?
2: They go to heaven.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now.
2: So, yeah, we're praying that they keep them out of heaven. Yeah. Okay. Keep them with us. Yeah. Now, now
0: to be fair, yeah. there, are, there are some lovely people and, uh, that, uh, um, you know, when I talk yeah. with them, and some unlovely ones, too. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we'll often talk about is, you know, we'll keep you with us as long as the Lord leaves you here. We're going to rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, you know, and this comes out of the explanation to the Lord's Prayer, too. Um, we pray for a blessed end. That's yeah. part of the uh, deliver us from and evil petition.
1: You do nuances of that when you're praying for members who are sick. I do. Sometimes you want to pray for a speedy recovery, and sometimes you want to pay for, play, pray for a gentle person.
0: Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm conflating the, the sermon and the Bible study here, so I apologize for that. But uh, <laughs> but only sort of. Um, <laughs> So we pray for a speedy recovery. But what if it's through a long illness that we learn to love God more deeply? And I hate that idea.
4: Leave that up to God.
0: Right, and, and so... And,
4: you, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for relief of suffering. Right. Because God's gonna handle it. Yes. I mean, in the sense that you're your feeling of compassion is for your fellow sufferer, not that they turn away from God. Right. But that, that suffering. So I, I, we're not powerful enough
0: to. Right, but what I want to avoid is the impression that if you didn't receive speedy re, you know recovery, right, exactly. God didn't hear and answer your prayer. You know, and, and and you know, so I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for that. You know, so, I mean, if you thought you heard me say that, please, that's not what I meant at all. Um,
4: But recovery can be very different things. Yes. So you can have a speedy recovery of your faith, your relationship with God. You can have a speedy recovery from your symptoms. You could
0: have... A speedy trip to heaven? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: These, I mean, these are big... Big issues that that influence our prayer and so when we when we pray I think that we we tend to focus on the things of this world and what we think would be good in terms of this world
2: and ourselves
0: and ourselves
3: we need rain for the corn crop
0: we do we do you know that reminds me of a story of a pastor, a young pastor. who comes to a congregation, rural congregation, and uh, it's been really, really dry. And uh, and every Sunday he keeps praying for rain. And he keeps praying for rain. And uh, after about a month of this, the uh, one of the farmers comes up and says, "Pastor, you got to stop praying for rain. We need the crops to dry so that we can bring them in." You know, he didn't know. You know, and sometimes that's you know how our prayers go about. You know. You know, we, we don't actually know what's good for us. Yeah. And thanks be to God. The Spirit intercedes with groans, uh, with wordless groans on our, our behalf. And that wordless groans, um, what does that even mean? Um, Oy what's that? Oy um, it ca- I think it could mean that. <laughs> um, I, I think it could be talking about what we might call tongues. That sometimes... Um, When we pray, um, it comes from the heart in in ways that uh, aren't expressible in words. Um,
3: And we don't know what to ask for. We don't know whether what's best for them and the people around them, for them to have a speedy end or for them to get better in another 20 years. We don't know, so we don't really know what's the best thing for us to pray, except thy will be done and help me to accept it and be good about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know.
3: okay. How do you feel about athletes who, like, if they make a touchdown, go like this, like, to go and thank them for
0: that? I am a cynical curmudgeon. I believe. Um, and um, I, and I, I, I need to push back against that in myself, but um, I. I tend to feel like you know, okay, they have a they have a platform and they can be using that legitimately as a expression of their faith okay but or they know I am that a lot
3: of their followers are believers and so they want to make them happy I don't think that.
0: it's even that noble um, <laughs> I tend to think it's superstition and I think that it's um, uh, I, I think for me a lot of times and, and I'm judging here and, and uh, this is my cynicism coming out so you know I am a sinner um I just ask my wife um,
3: we already got the answer yeah um
0: in in the second commandment um so the second commandment is you should not uh, use God take God's name in vain is the old translation you should not misuse God's name um in the explanation we should fear and love God so that we do not curse swear lie deceive use witchcraft right that's that's in the list I think I got the list in the wrong order but that use witchcraft uh, in the German. Um, it, it's it's. I hear that I'm like you know, you know bubble bo- bubble toil and trouble cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> you know kind of you know Macbeth. You know and and. and uh, um, but my understanding of the German there is um, kind of using God as a talisman. You know, and, and, uh, and so sometimes I look at, at these, you know, the baseball player who makes, you know, the sign of the cross before he, you know. On, on, on one hand, could that be a good and right piety? Yes, yes it is. Um, but I also think it could be kind of using God in this magical thinking kind of way.
1: In the after the fat stuff, you know, like after you score, yeah. isn't there a lot of God? Thank you for not making me like other athletes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, there can be that. There absolutely can be. And are there very devout Christians in professional athletics? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. There are. You know, and uh, and I and I don't want to you know pour cold water on their their witness or their testimony, uh, or their piety. Um, but at the same time, uh, the sinful skeptic in me—I just look at that, and uh, I, I really wrestle with. You know, the, Jesus says, "Be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves." Explain everything in the kindest way,
1: best construction, and everything. That's yeah. That's the, that's
0: the old way of saying that. The way I actually like that, um, and um, and.
3: And we don't Just know that know sense we of, uh,
0: I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but
3: so. God can use that. There's comfort in knowing yes. God, God can use it.
0: Because God can use all things, right? Awesome. And, and we're going to get to that here. Uh, probably not today, though. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so it talks about uh, the one searching the hearts uh, knows the mindset of the spirit, what the mindset of the spirit is, because um, the spirit appeals and he intercedes on behalf of the saints, literally the holy ones. Uh, you notice I've got some words in brackets there. Um, sometimes uh, uh, the Greek doesn't provide all of the, the words and you have to infer it. We, we do this, you know, it, just in the way that we talk sometimes. <laughs> And, um, and so when you read this in the English, those are actually added. I just put them in there to, um, um, you know, to kind of do truth in advertising. You know, and, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm giving you troubles that you don't need. But, um, you know, I just want you to understand, you know, some of what's happening there in the text. Now, the one who searches our hearts, that's clearly a reference to God. It's not just this, he's not just talking about the spirit at this point. He's... He's teasing apart the trinity you know, to kind of talk about uh, what's going on here. And honestly, when I read this, um, there's, a, there's a phrase from an old radio show that, that comes to my mind. Um, it was made into a movie with Alec Baldwin in it, of all people. Let's see if any of you even know the rest of the statement. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> the, shadow the shadow knows, knows. Oh,
0: yes! Um, and, and that's the the phrase that came to my mind. You know, who searches the heart? You know, and uh, you know, and what are you going to see there when you search the heart? And it's it's talking about God. And I have a, a handful of scripture passages there that talk about God searching uh, the hearts of of all people. Um, he knows the mind, or he knows the mindset of the spirit. And this is part of the mystery of the Trinity. Um, You know, of course he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit is his Spirit. And, you know, they're in this divine, holy unity and uh, this relationship of of everlasting love. Um, But I, I, I do like this idea, not just he knows the mind of the Spirit, but the mindset of the Spirit. He knows what the Spirit is after. Because um, just as Jesus says that the Father and I are one, the Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. And they have the same goal. They have in mind, they have the same mindset in terms of how they're dealing with us. Because the Spirit is interceding for us. He's he's appealing for us. He's not keeping what he wants secret. He's talking with the Father about what he wants for us there's no hidden motive, there's no hidden agenda between the Spirit and the Father. You know, he wants to deliver the full salvation Jesus has won for us. And I want you to notice that kind of inner working of the Trinity. You know, so the Spirit is interceding with the Father, but what's he interceding for? To deliver what Jesus has given. It's all the same work. It's all about the salvation that He's won for us. And so, we know that to those or or for those loving God, He works together all for the good. And and either to or or for those having been called um, according to His purpose and His plan. Um, He works together, this means that God turns or he uses the evils and troubles of our lives for his purposes because who are those who love god is it you right the holy spirit has Mm -hmm. done his work in you and, and you are those who love god and he takes the the evils and the troubles of our lives and he uses them for 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 good the trick being you know How do you define good? Um, So when I think about this, God works all things uh, for the, you know, he works, God works together all for good. And I think of these experiences of our lives, which we can call evil. Sin, right, is an evil in our lives. And God uses that as an opportunity to bring redemption.
3: I think we have to be very, very careful because we don't know enough to know what's a good thing and what's a bad thing for us. It's like when you go to the dentist and he pulls a tooth, you cannot convince a five-year-old that that's a good thing for him. That's true. And there's a lot of things that happen to us that seem like really bad. And God is working through them for something really good and we just don't have the sense or the intelligence or whatever to know that that's what's happening.
0: But we can recognize some of this, especially yeah. in retrospect.
3: Yeah.
0: So, any of you ever experienced guilt? Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: Can guilt be an opportunity to experience forgiveness?
3: Yeah.
0: And is experiencing forgiveness a good thing?
3: Yeah.
0: We experience suffering? Yeah. Can God take that experience of suffering to equip us to serve our neighbor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or to bless us, to deepen our own faith. How about sorrow? Can the experience of sorrow lead us to a greater experience of? You know, and it, it's really looking at how how will how will God use these things for good? Yeah, Joe. I guess
4: you know. Sometimes I feel we have to be really careful because I, and maybe this is an error on my part, but I have trouble thinking that God singles people out and says, okay, this is happening to you, you, or you. I think, you know, the rain falls on the good and the evil, so does the bad. Yeah. And I think one of the differences that faith makes is that even when terrible things are happening to you, God gives you a way to keep going, to take some of that awful and and grow from something. But you also have the possibility of not. Right. So, I I, yeah, I, I, I want to be really careful about somehow thinking that God is singling people out for torture, you know, or whatever. And, and
0: I want to be careful too because sometimes maybe he does. Yeah you know yeah. and, and it, it, there, there's there's a lot of mystery in here you know um, you know people god would never let that but it, but he did you know um the Holocaust, there, you know uh, yeah. yeah i
4: don't think we'll understand on this side of heaven
0: no i don't think so either like although people I, people I i i do think that a lot of people were led to repentance and there was a some amazing changes that took place in people's hearts and minds because they've been confronted with that incredible evil. You know, um, you know we, we, we don't want to allow anybody to think that God will bring something bad into their lives. But the scriptures are pretty clear that sometimes he does, and he does it for our good, and we don't always... Oh. But there's also this grand cosmic thing that's going yeah, on there—the exactly. creation into sin to new creation thing—that's going on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem if you
1: think it's all about you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, God plays a long
0: game. Don't we call hard. that narcissism? Yeah. When well, I mean, it's all about yeah, you. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Right. But it's like you know, why is you know what God does is done specifically? Maybe. He's it to change me. Maybe he's testing me. Maybe he's punishing me. Maybe he's providing an opportunity for some guy over there that we don't even know about. That. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
3: We put everything back to us, and I think a lot of times we don't realize that it has nothing to do with us at all.
0: Yeah.
3: And we want it explained, and if God came down and sat there across from us and explained it, we wouldn't understand because it's on his level, not on our level. It's like trying to explain physics to a fourth grader. There's just a lot of things that you just, this is the way it is.
0: Yeah. So let me wrap this up here. <laughs> God works all things for good. Um, just as kind of a point of uh, trivia, the word for good in Greek is agathos. This is where we get the name Agatha. So if you know anybody named Agatha, she's a good girl. Um, when we think about what is good, the next question needs to be who defines it. God, you know, and and we're definitely trying to seek you know what God defines as good, but we have a problem. That in this world, we tend to get things mixed around. In Isaiah chapter 5, it talks about this problem that we have. He says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We get this stuff mixed up. And some people, you know, they, it, yeah. Um, and where I want to start next week is, is with this question What is God's purpose? What is his plan? And it's a big question, but I think we have some good answers uh, to think about what is God's purpose and what is God's plan. Now, to wrap this up, I'd like for you to think about one insight or or word of comfort or a challenging idea uh, that you hope to hold on to from the study of these verses. You know, and maybe, you know, if you uh, are in a situation where you could talk about it with your family, with a, a loved one, you know, I'd encourage you to do that. And then think about how will the lessons that you learn from this verse impact your faith life. So that that's that's your homework. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time, and I thank you that uh, we could think about some big things here, and I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we go on our way, and that this wouldn't just be, Um, an an hour of idle conversation, uh, but it would be your word at work in us that we would rely on your spirit, that he would intercede for us, and that uh, we we would receive Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.